Welcome back, everybody. It's Terror and Taco Woo! with Christy and Michael. <laughs> I just kind of like pressed whichever one Perfect. without reading the label and oh, how no, I poignant. Mean, sad trombone's always going to, it's always going to mean something to somebody. It's always you know? going to mean something to somebody. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a sad trombone kind of week. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's been a rough week. Um, but I am, I'm glad to be here. It's, mm-hmm. it's nice. I, it's, I actually was really looking forward to this to get out of my house and yeah, my uh, my awesome cat that I've had for twenty years, Fiddle, the greatest cat in the world. Uh, he, you know, he ran he ran his course this week and crossed that rainbow. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I prefer to think of Fiddle as like on a tiny boat on his way to Valhalla. Yeah, man, he's yeah. like a fucking Viking king warrior. Um, yeah, I mean, I was you know, look, obviously you've known him a long time. It's like mm-hmm. I've, I've I had him for twenty years. Twenty years. That's that's like almost half your life. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, Michael. Thank you. I, uh, but I, he had a hell of a run, man. I yeah. mean, he had a he hell was, of a that, run. That cat was an amazing, magnificent bastard yeah, cat. Absolutely. Like the perfect, perfect, magnificent bastard. House like, Panther. Just would break shit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was, it's been a rough few days, but, uh, I was really glad to get here cause I've been wanting to talk about this movie and honestly, just to get out of my house, yeah. <laughs> you know, this very special episode of terror and tacos is dedicated to fiddle. What's up fids. What's up fids. Um, and you know, uh, you've been really busy. It's just been a weird time, but, um, did have, it's like horror movies and breakfast tacos. Say, it's kind of saved it's, me. It's the only thing that keeps me happy these yeah, days. Yeah, we got honestly. yesterday. We had it was also our anniversary. I know. So like we had a bunch of plans that we just canceled and instead uh, ordered breakfast tacos from Rusty Taco, which is not always my favorite place, but they were fucking great. Hey man. And then watched, they brought them to your house. Yeah, that's then, the most important thing. And then we watched Halloween. And Halloween <laughs> always makes you happy. Yeah. So I I, I started to feel better um that's yeah, good here we're gonna talk about a very controversial film we are Christy. gonna talk about a very controversial film i mean i personally love it me too i've heard some people call it garbage absolutely how do you feel about that i look it's funny you know normally <laughs> a lot of times we're like if you don't like this you're an idiot or if you do like this you're an idiot right. you know i i love this movie I am not surprised or even disappointed in the fact that some people hate it. Um, this, sure. This to me, this movie. We're talking about *Malignant*. I'm sorry. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, *Malignant*. James Wan's return to horror, mm-hmm. maybe uh, yeah. after five years of him sort of directing *Aquaman* and getting super rich and all of those things. Right. Um, it is such a specific weird stylistic ride that I am not, I, if you don't like it, I absolutely get that. I'm just really, I'm surprised that some of the people that, okay. So for those of you that are, that, that don't know, he's, he's, um, paying homage because it really is an homage. I mean, this is not parody. This is not satire. This is like his Valentine mm-hmm. to Jallo. Yeah, I think so. I think it's his his Valentine to Jallo, and we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and explain what that is. I also think at the same time. It is his Valentine to comic books. Absolutely, because he's also a comic book writer. Yeah, right? he's a comic book writer. There's a reason James Wan directed Aquaman. Right. It's not like out of all the directors in the world, 
DC fucking comics and Warner Brothers <laughs> were like, get me the guy who made The Conjuring. Right. They're like, Juan yeah. lives in that world mm-hmm. too. And like, to me, this was, like you said, uh, it to me, it was a beautiful Valentine to the two- Things that he loves. Parts, yeah, parts of James Wan. Right. So, so for the people who don't know, mm-hmm. um, how would you describe the sort of Italian giallo films? The- the Italian giallo films are very, very specific and it's kind of a trend or a style that started happening, I would say as early as the late 60s, but it was really, really strong in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And the, the, it, it involves, they're more, they're more horror thriller than they are horror. Mm-hmm. There is very seldom any kind of supernatural uh, factor right. in the story. And specifically in the 70s and 80s, it was t- terror and body horror and kind of with women at the center of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's problematic. Think what you Whatever. want to think about it. I, I mean, Dario Argento made Jalo films with his, he killed his wife over and over, over, and and over. over again. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they're, they're no longer together. They're no longer together. Um, but I, I mean, in the movies, yeah. you know, she always went through a window or had a window pane. There's something about Argento and glass yeah. and mirrors and windows, but she always went through some kind of glass. Anyway, that's the giallo. It's like the Italian horror thriller that involves body gore. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a, a, a female protagonist victim at the center yeah with some psycho yes um, chase after her after them and and giallo also does uh, oddly it means yellow in italian mm-hmm. that's what the word means oh, i don't I really know, know. <laughs> i should have done a little more reading i don't know how it got that name oh interesting yeah it's the italian word for yellow um but uh and in addition to all those things you just said there's also like they lean heavily on like a score like oh, a yeah. musical score oh yeah and the acting is heightened. Heightened. And even the score is at times designed to re- kind of remind you that you're watching a movie. An opera. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how I like to think about it. And I and I don't think that I don't think that the Jalo style of horror filmmaking is a coincidence that it came out of a country that makes beautiful opera. Yeah, I totally, I mean, and we've sort of talked at this, talked about this before. Like even when we talk about Coppola, Mm -hmm. who obviously is Italian American, not Italian, but you know, the child of immigrants and even Coppola works in like an operatic Mm -hmm. style. And so you have like, brilliant colors, crazy sound, crazy music. Yeah, and there's, you know, oftentimes in a giallo, and Juan does this a lot in Malignant, oftentimes in a giallo, the the director uses all of the elements at once. Yes. So they will use a moving shot and operatic score Mm -hmm. and heightened acting style and heightened language for like, one moment. Yeah. It's as if everything they're saying is the most important thing. thing. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. you know, it's not like, like Suspiria doesn't technically fall into that because it's ultimately a supernatural film, right? right? It's a witch. But like Profundo Rosso. Oh, yeah. Is, um, is, crystal, the bird with a crystal plume. Yeah. Those are sort of like definitive. Totally. Um, so that mm-hmm. is to me evident from the first shot 
of malignant. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what's the first thing you see? Is this like sweeping fucking sea and a castle of a hospital on right. a mountain. That right? does not, that you know does not really exist there. By the way, spoilers, y'all. Oh, there's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Totally spoilers. And malignant is in theaters and also on HBO Max right yeah. now. Um, I, it was funny. I t- it looks like Dracula's castle. It looks like Dracula's castle. And then when we go into that hospital mm-hmm. slash mental institution, uh, who knows? the from the first like moment of acting, it's so over the top. Yeah. Um, I was texting with Ian, the great Ian Ferguson, mm-hmm. friend of the show. Um, Ian is also a big James Wan fan. And so I just texted him. I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you know this. Like before I had watched it, I was like, James Wan doing horror. Boom. He watched it before I did. We texted the next day and he was like, at first I was like, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, once he started to think about the opening shot, he was like this, he celebrates excess from yeah. the excess from the moment the film starts. Right. He tells you what you're about to see. I mean, it's in the title really. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about that too, but like, I, I know that we're talking about two different things, but you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He like from, he's telling you from the very beginning, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. And I was one of those people that I was expecting a, a ghost story. I, I think was we all were. Yeah, I think we all were. And so I was kind of like, Ooh, mental institute. I I can get with this, right? Maybe, it took me maybe like five or six minutes to realize what I was watching. Yeah, me too. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think when it hit me, because you know me, I'm a fan of those 70s horror movies. Of course. um, Was when the leading character can't remember her name yeah it's, it's unimportant I've, I've seen it twice <laughs> i mean it truly yeah. is unimportant <laughs> when when she pulls up in the driveway of her like super like victorian house <laughs> just the shot i mean like in the middle of seattle <laughs> in the middle of seattle this like beautiful like just gorgeous 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 and the 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 score underneath and the the filter and her look i was like Oh, and I think I texted you at that moment. I was like, I think I'm watching like a 70s made for TV horror yeah. movie mixed in, like an erotic thriller. Yeah, I think you're, and, and you watched it before I did. Uh-huh. And I think I emailed you because it was, I watched it really late. I watched it at like, I started at like 1 a.m. on mm-hmm. the Friday night that it came out on HBO. So I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm not going to text you at 1 a.m., Christy, just in case. <laughs> I don't want to wake people up. Um, but I said like, you said um, that and I was like, I feel like I'm watching a, a horror comic book right. come to life. And, and so I love those things. And I mean, I guess, should we talk through the plot? Sure. I mean, so like the next thing for me was the relationship between her and her sister, right? That mm-hmm. was the, the next clue for me. Uh, w- w- just the, the soft focus of those scenes. Yes. And it's so ideal. Uh-huh. And, you know, their relationship with each other and, and, their, and their relationship to the house. You know, mm-hmm. those old 70s Jalo, it's you, it's oftentimes a gorgeous art nouveau Italian villa villa. And, and he did that with this house. He did it with, I know I'm jumping around the fucking police station. Yeah. Yeah. Not since Hannibal. 
Exactly. Have I seen? I know. I think I told you. Said this police station does not. It does not exist anywhere except maybe Italy. Yeah, and I mean that's so. That, that's exactly purposeful. what he was doing. It's, it's so it's purposeful. Super purposeful, and he he achieves those shots. He achieves that filter and that just kind of like I don't know chiaroscuro. Yeah, Can I say that. I think like, I think that's perfect. Feeling with a Victorian house, and it's also. Is it is it period? Like I don't even know. It didn't even matter. So I mean, technically, technically, again, doesn't matter. But technically, when we open, it's the nineties. Right. Um, when we see the sort of first incident of the mental institution. Also, there's a one-off line, but I do think there's a reason he chose to set this in Seattle. Why? Because to me, that is the definitive city of the 90s. It's oh where God. it's the birth of grunge. That's true. It is the birth of Starbucks. It That's is the, true. the birth of American coffee culture and the birthplace of Kurt Cobain. Like, wow. To me, Seattle. And I'm sure he was like, it has the C. Yeah. Also, I think he can fuck around with Seattle. We're also used to seeing fucking New York and New and, England. And New England. It's like, Okay, we know the Space Needle, but a lot of people don't. Like, at one point, this takes place in underground Seattle, and I literally messaged you, was like, is this a real thing? Because that's the movie I want to see, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, well, I want to know more about uh, underground Seattle. But sets, it opens in the 90s, and then it flashes forward, mm-hmm. right, to, to now. But even when it flashes forward doesn't to matter. now, it doesn't matter. They they. They do have a 70s, 80s look to them. Of course. And cell phones don't really, I mean, play they play it. a little bit of a part, but not really. Um, you have, and in, in, so to go back to that first scene, uh-huh. the violence in the opening at the mental institution, you've already seen the doctor completely the stylistic acting, right? right? She's recording it's so herself. so heightened. The violence is fucking insane. Right. And then the last, I think the last line is the doctor saying, we have to cut the cancer out. And right. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm on board. I don't know what I'm on board for, but, but I am I'm on, on board. this roller coaster. And, yeah. And so like what ends up taking place, I guess, is you have a murderer who is completely over the fucking top, even before it gets like way over the top, has crafted their weapon out of a trophy. trophy. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene. (laughs) And so it's like fucking shining gold blade. Right. Which is something that we see in Jalo a lot. Absolutely. And every time we cut to the killer, before we know who the killer is, the music completely changes completely changes and it goes into i mean i'm old i would say it's like sounds industrial like Mm -hmm. old school industrial but i'm sure there's a new term for it but it's very much like beats and you know fucking yeah whereas like when we're in the house with the sister it's like just swelling orchestral music from like a made for 70s television horror with a female protagonist yes and so this killer is hunting down. We quickly learn people connected to this hospital. The hospital, mm-hmm. and so you start to think like, okay, whoever they were doing this fucking experiment on, Gabriel, R- Gabriel, right? Who can also control electricity? Right. I have a theory about that. Wait. Oh my gosh, Gabriel. Gabriel. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gabriel, who now can control? Who can control electricity? Mm-hmm. We assume Gabriel is killing off the doctors who were that, were, that experimented that came on after him. him. Yeah. Right. And that's it. And mean, meanwhile, mm-hmm. our protagonist yeah. 
she now can see. Ah. Yeah, she has these moments of like where she kind of blacks out or her environment changes, changes around her and she can see the murders happening. But what's funny to me, what what's funny to me is that her reality, like I said before, is like super soft focus, right? Uh-huh. Um when we're in the Victorian house. And there's part of me that's like that's when we're seeing that we're seeing literally her, but also kind of like her metaphorical world that keeps her inside. Yes. From the outside world. Uh huh. That does not make any sense. No, I think that's right. Yeah. Like we're seeing the world she's created that to, she's created to keep for her safe. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're right. And so then when we cut to Gabriel, yeah. it's totally different. Uh-huh. It's shot completely different. It sounds completely different. The lighting is completely different, but she can now see. Right what's it's happening. it's creeping in yeah um <laughs> i mean it is crazy so like i promised some i promised our listeners that 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 if they gave us their that if they wrote down what they thought about sure. it because this in case y'all don't know this movie has caused a lot of controversy people a bizarre amount yeah, of controversy a bizarre I, amount I saw a friend of mine who i often agree with we don't she and i don't always agree she hated it on a level that I mean, like, I think viscerally hate, like, is angry. Wow. And I was like, wow. I just felt like I was on a badass roller coaster. Like, I laughed the whole time. The whole time. time. The whole fucking Um, time. Yeah, I know. I have, like I said, I have a friend that just was like, it was garbage. Yeah. And I'm like, that's insane. Okay. So Taylor Mercado Owen says, loved every second of this movie. It's like the best mix of 90s J-horror uh-huh. and Italian giallos. Still in awe of the last 30 minutes. I need a making of documentary to see how they did it. Okay. You agree with that? Yeah. And I think the J-horror comment that Taylor makes is, is fantastic because in those moments early on, after the mental hospital, before the shit just goes... Where she just parks on the cliff? Yeah, before the shit just goes wild, uh-huh. right? Like, after the opening, before the shit goes right. wild. When we think, when we still think we might be in a James Wan haunted house... Haunted house. The, like, image of what could be a ghost and how that ghost moves and appears is very, I think, in line with J-horror, right? Right. 90s J-horror. Oh, yeah, yeah. The hair covering the face, Mm -hmm. the, like, weird stilted movement, almost gray, like, almost matte gray. Yeah, yeah, like, completely does not, is not lit as part of this world. As part of the world, yeah. Yeah. So that's a great, I I completely agree with Taylor. And we'll talk about the last 30 minutes. Yes. Because fucking Because that was insane. And by that time, I was so happy and on board. I was like, yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Robert Figueroa says, people hating on this film never saw Takashi Miike's Masters of Horror episode and it shows, LOL. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. But it's funny that he mentions Masters of Horror because it, there is an episode of Masters of Horror that is Argento's and it's called Pelts. Uh Uh-huh. And there were parts of this where I was like, that is so Argento. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the lighting and sound alone, like, I mean, to me, nothing will ever touch Maybe nothing will ever touch the Goblin score from Suspiria. Nothing. Maybe Halloween comes close for me. Maybe. Um, Even though I think, 
I mean, the Goblin score is incredible. And granted, it said that's not, Suspiria is not technically a Jawa film. However, there are moments in this score that I was just like, fuck yeah, I would listen to this in the car, yeah, man. Totally. Like, you know, um, yeah, I, I think Robert makes an excellent point. So far, I'm in agreement to like, with everyone. Oh, okay. So this is from friend of the show, Patrick Johnson, who's also been on the show. What's up, Patrick? We were texting each other back and forth. And first he said, uh, when they start watching the VH tapes, I giggled with glee at the general grand guignol of it, which is true. Yeah. There's so much right slash wrong about this movie. And then he says, I loved it. And I also think it's awful. Ha ha. He has a point. He has a style and no shame. That movie was a thrill ride and yet totally stupid. When have we seen this movie before from the 90s? seven style credits to the buzzing light bulb at the end. It was homage after homage. And yet we were in on the joke. Yeah. I, that's a great point. I mean, I, I, I think, and I read one review that I think sort of is along the lines of what, how Patrick felt. It said it, and this reviewer loved it like in the best way. It was yeah. like, it was ridiculous in the best way and said it felt like watching a director who had had his hands tied for the last five years. Yeah understandably right Right. like if you go and make giant superhero movies for warner brothers and dc or for marvel and disney Mm -hmm. there are so many powers above you right and it said it was like watching him like watching james wan blow off steam for 90 (laughs) minutes and i i loved it Yeah. yeah um drew wall also friend of the show uh he because he i texted him i was like dude watch it and he was like is it good i was like i don't know man well it's like i told you yeah i mean that was my first text i was like michael just just watch it just watch it and he was like he texted me back he was like i thought it was the worst movie ever made until i thought it was the best version of the matrix (laughs) four i could ever hope for and i was like yes yes because to go back to taylor's comment Uh uh-huh the last 30 minutes of this movie uh-huh. turns into, as you call the John Wick film. Yeah. And as Drew saw it, The Matrix, which those live yeah. in a very similar world. It, <laughs> I mean, it turns into just an insane fucking action movie. Right, right. With the most like highly stylized, choreographed violence I've seen in a long yeah, time. Since, you know, since a, 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 an Asian film, like, yeah. a, like a Kung Fu movie. Yeah, or, or like early John Woo. Uh, like, right. you know, when they would, I can't remember the term they used for it. It was like gun ballet, but a better, better phrase than that. Um, so what happens, huge, huge, huge spoiler. Right. What happens is... What had happened was, okay, so it turns out... Who is Gabriel Christie? Gabriel, is, it's, I remember Gabriel more than I remember his conjoined twin sister, who is the lead in the movie. Um, beautiful woman. And Gabriel... It was her imaginary friend, right? So she was. So, yes. In so the, we in think. One of, yes. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie that just really is everything that we're talking about is when she tells the sister that she's adopted. Uh huh. Because then it zooms in, like it pushes in into the sister's face, and yeah. we get this like orchestrated music, and it's like, why? Yeah, There's it's like no- y'all are in your twenties. Yeah. Like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> so anyway, so they start. They start to find out more and more about her. I guess adopted mother and where she had been. And it turns out she had been the, at the hospital. Yes. 
And it was because she had a, an imaginary friend that made her do things or told her to do things. And it was Gabriel was becoming dangerous. Right. And it turns out that Gabriel's not an imaginary. Gabriel is not an imaginary. Gabriel is a sort of half formed homunculus uh-huh. <laughs> connected to her back. And so when we hear it's time to remove the cancer, they That's are. What they're, ta- they're talking about a malignant tumor. Yes, but they couldn't remove all. All of Gabriel, so because it because their brains were connected. Right. If they removed all of Gabriel, then she would die. She would die. So they had to just kind of like uh, they they basically open her skull and and, and push push him. him into her skull. And when she she in the the first time we meet her has an abusive asshole husband. Right. And she's lost three babies. She lost already. three babies. And this asshole husband slams her head into the, the, wall. the wall. She starts to bleed. And we come to learn that has, that has set Gabriel loose upon the world. Right. And so what, I can barely explain this. Like yeah. you have to see it. So the end, the last 30 minutes, Gabriel takes over, which essentially forces her body to turn inside, to out. turn inside out. And Gabriel is a badass kung fu artist slash can control electricity and also is good, awesome with a gun. Right. And so it turns into just fucking mayhem. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it is. It's like the Matrix and yeah. Westworld and yeah, like John just- Wick and like and like I said, like straight out of. A comic book. So to me, at the end, because then she fights off Gabriel. Right. Because each of them, because Gabriel can control her brain to make her think she's somewhere else. Uh-huh. Which is like- Which is the thing. It's the thing I'm saying. Yeah. She thinks that she's in her beautiful, pretty Victorian home. Yeah. And it's like, she's in reality, not. she's murdering people. Right. Um, and at the end, she's able to fight him off. She also has superpowers, kick ass, whatever. And then she's like, he's like, I'll be back. And she's like, I know, but next time I'll be ready for you. And then she closes the prison door. door. And I was like, this motherfucker, James Wan, Uh fuck yeah. He just created another franchise. An insane. And yeah. And then he, this was to me when everyone's like mad, it's not a ghost story. It's like, this is a superhero slash supervillain origin story. Right. Told through the lens of Italian Giallo movies. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant and fucking insane. And he knows, like, he knows what he's doing. It's like Patrick says, he has a vision and no shame. No, yeah. He's just going to do it. But I mean, if you go back and I, 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 you know, we talk about Suspiria a lot. Mm-hmm. And and that to me, that's the easiest Argento movie to talk about. One, because I think most people have yeah, the, the that's, one they've that's seen. That's the one that most And honestly, it's seen. the one I've seen most. Like right. I love opera and Profundo Rosso and others, but like I've seen Suspiria a million times. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Motherfucker does not care. He doesn't care. He doesn't even care if they're speaking the same language. No, he will put two people in a scene who cannot speak the same language. Occasionally will dub it. Occasionally won't. He doesn't care because (laughs) the visual and sonic aesthetics, the violence, whatever is, that's what's important. That's what the story is. And to me, this is what Juan is doing. And and I thought even the, the way the movie cut, especially between the two worlds, uh-huh. if you will, was, was like the panels of a comic book. Right. That they don't, transitions don't even, 
exist in the same way right. as we're used to in film. Like to me, it cut like a comic. I I don't know, man. Yeah, that's, I, ex- that's exactly what John said. We watched it together and John said, oh, this is like, because you said that to me, but I t- he said it. it's just a graphic novel. Yes. And, what and it is. he, James Wan lives in that world. Um, along with the horror world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I laughed. I, I mean, I fucking cheered. It, it is. And, and Patrick's right. It is. It is ridiculous. There's no question. It's ridiculous, yeah, but, but th- it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter because these, these stories are event to event. It's not right. linear storytelling. You're, you you watch a Jalo, you're not going to get a story that's like, and then this thing happened, and then this led to this scene, and then she walked into the other room. That's not what Jalo does. It's event to event yeah. to event, and you need you as an audience member need to be able to catch up. Yes, like you need to make those connections just, for yourself, or not, or not. Who it yeah. doesn't matter. Who cares? And I I saw so one of my friends again, and she's crazy smart like and and i get why she doesn't like the movie but i know one of her problems was it it the rules sort of break down and i was like but if you look at it as a superhero film the rules don't break down i don't need an explanation to why gabriel can control electricity right because in a superhero comic a villain uh, can just do what a villain does right i don't need an explanation exactly I hadn't um, even thought about it that way, but that's so true. Yeah, and that that to me is why I kept coming back to th- th- if you follow superhero rules before superheroes got so fucking goddamn up their own asses. I don't like them anymore. Yeah, it's just like when it was just like old school fucking mm-hmm. comics. It's like, well, why why can Lex Luthor do this? Uh, because we told you he can. Because he's yeah. a supervillain in a comic book. Yeah, and so to me, I don't care that gate like. Of course, Gabriel can control electricity. He's a super villain. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, I don't need any basis in whatever an actual I conjoined mean, twin or and, whatever and can look, do. Listen, I don't care. This is me. I'm like, oh, they were, they were giving him electric shocks at mm-hmm. the beginning, right? So maybe that's how he, that's all I need. That's it makes, great. It makes no sense. It doesn't mean that if you go electrocute yourself, you'll be able to. <sighs> control right. electricity so do not do yeah, that just like if you fans. hold a spider in a fucking radiation room you're not gonna become exactly. spider-man i mean maybe they, they maybe no don't try don't do no, it don't do it don't do it we're we gonna get do, sued yeah. now don't do it and also don't you know stick your hand in a toaster that's right. not going to help you <laughs> control like, it's not gonna do it right but this in this movie that's enough works. yeah completely works that's and, enough and i mean you have um i mean dude all, the police station. All you have to do is look at that police station and you know it doesn't, like, this isn't the world. No. There is no, I mean, I know Seattle is cool. Right. It's not that. It's not that cool. <laughs> Come it's on. It's not that cool. I'm sure that the police, I was going to say police cops. The, the police <laughs> cops, the Seattle fucking police cops. Uh, <laughs> no, I know that they don't have a. No, they work like in some that. shitty fluorescent lit fucking office like right. every other police cop. But it looks like a villa in Italy. Yes. It's so, I, I just, I loved it. I fucking loved it. Um, so, okay. I, and I want to go back. I want to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you said, and I agreed with you and Ian clearly had the same reaction because we were all sort of watching this within hours of each other for the first 10 or whatever minutes. All of us were a little like, what the fuck? Yes. 
James Wan never claimed he made a ghost movie. No, that's true. HBO or whoever marketed this film told us he made a ghost movie. This isn't so... Right. So Okay, so do you think... I, under, I think we both understand HBO wants people to watch this film. Sure. James Wan made The Conjuring and Insidious and Saw, but The Conjuring and Insidious are very specifically like house haunting mm-hmm. demon movies of this is how we get people to watch it. Fuck. We just released Conjuring 3. Is that a detriment to the film? I think it is. Okay. I, I agree with you. I think it is because then you have a whole group of people who are expecting a ghost story uh-huh. and really, really want a James Wan ghost story for good reason, because he's good at making He's good them. at making ghost stories, sure. Right. But then you get what this is. This batshit insanity. Yeah, and it's nothing in the title suggests a ghost story. No. I mean, actually... The title tells you exactly what you're going to watch. <laughs> We're going to cut out the cancer. It's malignant. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's <laughs> come like, on. When somebody says malignant, I mean, you don't think of a ghost, no. Michael. You think of a tumor. You think of a tumor. If you say the word malevolent, that's a demon. Exactly. Malignant is a tumor. Tumor, exactly. This, I mean, study your vocabulary, y'all. Right. It's going to so be on the SAT. People go, ghost story, yay. Yeah. And it's not. And, and so immediately it's like, I, I am closing the curtain of this conversation. Yeah. I hate the movie. And I was thinking about, uh, you had brought this up. Just, just you know, the, to me this happens, I don't know if it happens more with horror um, because people just don't know how to market it differently. But I was thinking about like a movie you really, really love mm-hmm. that I don't like as much as Crimson Peak. Right. Crimson Peak, I don't know if you remember, was very much presented as a, a ghost a story. A ghost story. It's a gothic romance. Yes. Right? And, and I, not a very good one. N- n- right. I mean, it looks <laughs> incredible because it's fucking Del Toro and all that. But right. like, I don't, I, I went to, I we went to go see it. Aspen and I saw Crimson Peak in the theater mm-hmm. expecting sort of haunted ghost blah right. blah blah and I think part of me still was disappointed the whole time because that's clearly not the movie I saw right um I, I, you know even even when we saw it comes at night it comes at night was presented like there's I had a fucking something's coming at night and then yeah. it's just like oh there's a disease what the fuck am yeah. I watching like yeah no I think I think you're right and I think so you're right I it, uh, and yet I really like Crimson Peak because I like those gothic Yeah, you love romance. that, of course. Yeah. And, and, but it, to me, it is, it is a strange thing to be, and it's not just horror. I think it just happens a lot. Like, I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Drive with... Uh, no. Okay, so Drive is actually kind of like, has some drama and things, mm-hmm. asking some questions. I'm not, whatever. It was advertised like a fucking Fast and the Furious movie. And so people, because there are cars that oh, drive okay. fast. And so people went thinking they're going to go see that. And it's like, oh, fuck, what? Um, like, why is this happening? I thought right. this was going to be a fun, ridiculous action movie. Yeah. And so I do think, but again, none of those directors is responsible for for how this movie, mo- their movies are marketed. No, they aren't. And I don't know if that's by choice or if it's just like we're, that's just not something that you have control over. Yeah, it's our right? money, motherfucker. Exactly. Like, yeah, so no, we're going to do what we want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or if maybe the director's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't have time. Sure. Also, because you have to assume, I mean, God, you know this. Um, you know, James Wan has been done with malignant 
for a while. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Like he's probably prepping Aquaman two or shooting <laughs> it or something. Yeah. Um, we are more, you specifically are more involved in every, every aspect of our movie. Uh, that's real close to being done y'all. Yes. Um, just because of the nature of the thing. Right. If, if we had studio money, you and I would be on to the next fucking yeah. thing, right? The next, but, like, second or third thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the way it works yeah. for us. But, I mean, I'm sure, like, James Wan has other things going on. And so, yeah, it's it, to me, that's an interesting thing. And I'm not saying that's the only reason people who didn't like it didn't like it. I mm-hmm. get it. It's fucking bizarre. and um, But it's so fun. I, that's... I agree with you. And and I think if you thought you were going to watch a James, if your expectations were, I'm going to be scared. Uh, I'm going to be haunted movie, whatever mm-hmm. you're at. Your expectations are undercut almost immediately. Right. I mean, and, exactly. and that can be, you, I could, I could see how that would upset people. I read this review in Collider and I can't remember the name of the, of the critic, uh, but he, he basically said that Malignant was James Wan's like practical joke on his fans. And just the way he made it sound, it, you know, it felt like he was saying, yeah, he's making fun of you and blah, 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 blah. And I think that makes James Wan, that would make him cynical as fuck. Yeah. And I don't think he is. No, I completely disagree with that. I Making fun of you, like, I, like you said to me, I mean, you said the phrase Valentine. I think this is a Valentine to, to the, the genres or, or styles that he loves. Right. And people who also love those styles, mm-hmm. I think would, would love this movie. Is it campy? Sure. But is every campy movie mocking its audience or, or a practical joke? No. no, no, that's a style. And, and like I read an interview with him. I think I, I texted you part of it. He, you know, he created, he, he didn't write the screenplay, but he and his wife mm-hmm. who plays the, like, um, the other cop who does like the forensic shit, who's clearly oh, in love yeah, with yeah. the very handsome male cop. Mm-hmm. Like she has the big glasses. Right. And, She's the goofy girl. Yeah. That's, that's James Wan's wife in real life. Mm-hmm. She and he. She and he, yeah, they, they wrote the story together and he said she's sort of obsessed with weird medical anomalies. And so it kind of started there um, and was like, they were putting together these ideas and then he was like, wanted to make a movie with his wife. Uh Uh, Great. Good for you, man. Right. That had that aspect that she's into, but he also said he really wanted to have fun and go back to playing with practical effects because right. he hasn't been able to do that uh, with Aquaman in a long right. time. It's like what you said. I mean, it's a director who's had his hands tied. Yeah. And you know? so to me, this movie is is not... He's cyni- James Wan. He can do whatever he wants He can do whatever he wants. Too. And it's like, is James Wan going to spend years and a bunch of money or whatever in time just to play a joke? No, he's not... Yeah. He's not fucking... He doesn't hate his fans. He doesn't hate his fans. <laughs> he's he's not Lars von Trier. Right, it makes... Like, you're, <laughs> like, it's so... It's just wrong. Like it makes if, no sense. If you told me Lars von Trier spent $2 million of his own money and gave up five years of his life <laughs> to flip us off, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I believe completely, it. Completely. Totally. Absolutely. But not James Wan. No, no. And I don't... This, yeah, that reminds me of when Robert... Rodriguez made Once Upon a Time in Mexico and it was part of the El, Ma- El Mariachi mm-hmm. franchise. But, um, 
And it, it's, I don't think it's his best in the franchise or in the trilogy or whatever, but it's fun and interesting and, you know, he, it, but it got panned. Yeah. And then he came back and said, well, actually it was all, it was a script that already existed. There was some brand new technology I wanted to play with. Yeah. And I felt like this was a good way to play with this new technology. Yeah. I And I, then everybody was like, he's lost it. He's crazy. He sucks. Right. And then people got mad at Machete and and then realized like, oh, fuck, he knocked that shit out of the right. park. And um, so you, I mean, you brought this up uh, when we were texting this week. What happened to a director being allowed to experiment or try things or go a different way? Like, even in the horror genre, Mm -hmm. if Wes Craven doesn't make New Nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. We never get Scream. Like, you can go back and watch New Nightmare, Mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. It has problems, whatever. But you can see him playing with storytelling in a way that will give us Scream. Right. Now it's like, like you said with, with Rodriguez, I mean, and obviously Rodriguez is still kicking ass, yeah. um, but you make one misstep or, or even try something different. It's like, he's done. Get him the fuck. Like, when did that happen? I don't know. I mean, because, you know, I said to you like the, the old maestros that we still have left, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds terrible. It sounds like they're- No, but they are, but most, they, a lot of them are, are very old. They're man. old and yeah. it's, you know, it's Coppola and Scorsese mm-hmm. and Polanski still with us. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. No, he's, he he's is, a maestro. He's a master. Yeah, but and, these guys are right. well into their 70s, right? Yeah, but they were, they're the kinds of directors that they have been allowed to make cross genre stuff, right? Yeah. Like every single one of those dudes has directed something romantic, something terrifying, something that's just like a run-of-the-mill American story. Sure. And there was a time when directors were allowed to do that. Yeah. And if you go, and but, I don't know if it's like the big studio system yeah. or, or what, or like the way Hollywood functions now or, or something the, like the corporateness of it. Yeah. Right. Where like it has to make this amount of money or you're fucked or, or right. whatever. We have to be able to market it. I mean, I do imagine somebody, whoever was in charge of marketing, watched malignant and was like, dear God, how the fuck? Like, what am I going to do? Right. And they were like, James Wan ghost movie. We'll sell it on that. Right. Um, but I mean, if you, to sort of tie these two topics together, if you go back to Coppola's Ram Stoker's Dracula. I love that movie. Um, yeah, we were asked when I was supposed to see it for our anniversary. Aww. Anyway, um, a huge part of that movie, which look. Yeah, man. I mean, come on now. We've talked about it at length with Aspen on this podcast. It's kind of a mess. It's ridiculous. But a huge part of that was Coppola wanted to go back mm-hmm. and create recreate in-camera effects right. that were used like in the 30s and 40s. Right. Two, I mean, sometimes brilliant fucking, like, I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, does everything work in that movie? Absolutely no. not. But there are certain, like, but I mean, but the, the it's, it's a beautiful film yeah. and, and he wanted to use all of that stuff. He wanted to see if he could still do it. What could he achieve with in camera effects with like this new equipment or yeah. whatever? And for the most part, I mean, it won awards for, 
force, I mean, like oh, art yeah. direction and costumes and shit like that. And again, like to me, and, and look, we all, we both love that movie. It's my wife's favorite movie. But like, honestly, part of me is like that in and of itself is cool because what if that leads to a way to combine old technology and new that gives birth to a new fucking style right. or movement in film? Like, right. I just think they're very tied down. I mean, everything is so... I don't know, man. I don't know if we've always been this way, but everything is so like corporatized, yeah, right? I, I, and commodified. And so directors have to follow a particular formula. You yeah. have to be known for this thing. And if you try something new or try to slow us down, God forbid, for right. two seconds in storytelling. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Yeah, it, it is a strange thing. I think it, I think part of it, I mean, like this might be just a discussion for another time. It's like, as we get fewer and fewer companies, I mean, my God, it's insane. Like, mm -hmm. the, the reason Malignant is on HBO is because HBO has a deal with Warner Brothers slash DC Comics, right? right. Now all the Universal movies are going to be on Peacock because NBC owns Peacock. How do you know all um, this, Michael. I like, just read way too much nonsense. But like, so you're, ha and, and all of Marvel is on Disney because Disney owns Marvel right. and ABC and ESPN. And so it's like, if your shit doesn't fit into this fucking square, forget it, forget it. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't, we're going to pretend that it does. Right. Um, so I don't, I, I, don't know. I realize it's we a, just, we just went strayed. off on this like whole thing. I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a short episode i mean unless we want to talk about something else but i i malignant's crazy yeah it's crazy i loved it you loved it ian ferguson loved it if you don't like it that's fine that's fine yeah i told but yeah i do totally get it but i i fucking i had a blast watching it yeah um i just had a i just had like sort of glee dude that scene where she is in the jail cell and like oh, just finally Christ. rips her skull yes. open and just like the costumes not i mean not just the effects but the costumes it's supposed to be like now or something dude but every person in that jail cell is a character from like a sexploitation from the 70s from the 70s yeah it's and, insane and then and then that leads into uh, what Taylor, I think, was talking about in, in that message, the, uh, the the final, like the finale, mm -hmm. the the physical and fight choreography uh, of the finale is, is stunning. Yeah. Is it in a completely different movie than you were just watching? Sure. Sure. But who can't, like, why do we, it seems like James Wan in the pandemic was like, I don't care anymore. I don't, yeah, man. Let's, was, let's, let's, life is short. You gotta, just, you gotta make the movie you want. You gotta make the movie you want and you gotta hang out with your wife. So let's do this. Yeah. You know? Um, do uh, what you want, yeah, people. I, I, uh, I, Th that critic who says it's cynic or, you know, talking about right. that makes it very, in my opinion, this is a joyful film, Christy, yeah. that just happens to be horrifically violent. <laughs> oh my God. It's insanely violent. I was not expecting, and I wasn't expecting for, oh shit. I mean, we already spoiled it. I wasn't expecting for the figure to shoot. The no, sister. I, know. Like, I was like, holy, holy shit. shit. I was like, surely the sisterly bond. Right now. Fuck that sisterly bond, nah, man. Um, Let's yeah. have it. So that's it. That's malignant. It's on HBO. It's in theaters. Um, 
Tell us what you what you think, uh, whether yeah. you love it or hate it. Or I think Drew is kind of my favorite because he clearly hated it and then loved it. Yeah, and I, that's why I like Patrick's because yeah, Patrick's right. is like it's it's the greatest movie and it's also, also the worst terrible. Movie. Um, couple like on one cool note. Oh yeah, we have to talk about this. Uh, we would like we would like he's not here, although I think he's coming over. But uh, we would like to welcome the great Parker. Darker gray. Darker gray. To the Tat family. Yeah, he's helping us do like youth things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a young person. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, so Parker is, it's, uh, we're really excited. And, and the youth things, some of those are, are really things to help help the, the, the podcast grow. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully he's already texting us, dude, he's going, doing like, more and, and work. I'm like, he's doing more work than alone. you and I have ever done. I regret uh, hiring yeah, you. God damn it, Parker. <laughs> uh, but hopefully soon in the near future, we're going to yeah. be on Patreon. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing a bunch of things. You'll be able to get more merch. Yeah. More merch, uh, more sort of special things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, very, I have some ideas for some new pictures. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we're very excited to welcome uh, the great Parker Gray. And that is sort of connected to the fact that you and I officially, legally uh, formed a production company yeah. called Bad, Bad Omen, Omen Films. Films. Yeah. So, um, yeah. More, more on that because there is more. Yeah. A lot of shit, um, lot of shit going down. What was I going to say? What was the other thing I was going to say? Parker oh sucks. Yeah. Parker does suck. Um, but that's not it. <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, no. Candyman. Yes, Candyman. Is, is this what we're doing next time? I th- yeah. I e- think we have to. And even we had dreams of going to the theater. If we can't swing that because we are both absurdly it's busy. Already, yeah, it's going to be it's, streaming. It's already streaming. Right. So uh, yeah, I think Candyman's next. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan's new show uh, on Netflix starts on, I believe, September 24th. Oh, so if you are a Haunting of Hill House slash Bly Manor fan, uh, definitely check that out. I'm fucking really excited yep. because it's Flanagan at his like Irish Catholic best. Yeah, that's when he's best. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. So we will talk to you next week. Bye. Rock outro. Woo.